Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking today about RSA's announcement about a security breach. I'm talking with Stephen Northcutt, CEO of SANS Institute. Stephen, thanks so much for joining me on short notice today. It's great to be here. Steve, to start with, what do we think we know about RSA's announcement? Um, well, we know for sure that it's a minimal amount of information. They've done what they need to do to be square with the Security Exchange Commission, um, but they haven't um, given any details. We don't know what was taken, how long the advanced persistent threat was present, um, what was detected, um, any of the details that help you really come to a, a significant analysis of the situation, we do not know. And we've got to assume if we're just finding this out now, RSA has known for some time, and likely some of their customers have known for some time. What's the information we need to have? Well, it comes down to, you know, what is the potential risk of compromise of the RSA two-factor authentication that if you're using it, for instance, for online banking, you type in your password, and then you look at your RSA dongle, and there are little digits, and you type them in. The question, the $60 million question is, if someone was able to intercept your password, but was not in, able to intercept the physical token, um, and the seed keys, the crypto keys, had been exfiltrated from RSA, is it possible that they could deduce the, the two-factor authentication digits um, and go ahead and complete a login uh, without physical access to a dongle. Um, it, that's that's the question that everyone has got to answer one way or another um, over time. Stephen, give us some perspective. How ubiquitous is the RSA Secure ID solution in organizations globally? It, it's not ubiquitous, and, and there are other two-factor authentication methods, but it certainly is you know, the 800-pound gorilla. I, uh, <clears throat> when I do online banking, I, I particularly chose organizations that supply the dongle um, to cry, you know, have a, a little additional safety because so many times I'm, you know, getting online from a hotel network or something that I know is, is untrusted media. Um, you know, my, my first hope, of course, is that the HTTPS is giving me a you know secure tunnel between myself and my bank, um, but you just kind of want to <laughs> you kind of want to add a little protection. Um, so certainly in the financials, uh, you have a lot of RSA, and then of course in large organizations that have rolled out you know VPNs, so teleworkers and whatnot, they've um, they've also um, selected this as a technology. I mean. It's been around a long time, and it's it's served a great purpose for you know over a decade, and uh, so granted, you know, by definition, a lot of people are using it. Stephen, what is the message from RSA to its customers with this announcement and the little information that they've allowed? Well, <clears throat> there's two parts to the message. One is um, that uh, you know there's a potential risk, and there's also a a message that you and I are privy to, that some of their best customers are giving information to um, make their systems stronger in some way. I, I would guess it has to do with change, changing uh, seed codes. Um, then they have a third part to the message, is their advice 
to essentially the world and what to do about access controls. It's all common sense stuff, but it it certainly is something people should be doing. I mean, it's it's it's, it's common sense, but good stuff to you know review the basics and make sure you're using your SIM to try to detect a particularly focused on uh, Active Directory so that you can see there was some you know credential. Uh, the, the implication is there was some credential stuff going on where maybe people had the same password in more than one place, that sort of a thing. Um, to use your SIM to kind of automate detection, all of this is definitely what we ought to be doing. Um, so three messages, uh, one of which you and I are not privy to. Put this in perspective for us if you can. Is there a precedent for an announcement like this, and what does it mean to the global information security industry? It's it's not a game changer. Anybody who says it is is, is an alarmist. Um, <clears throat> Two-factor authentication is a good idea. There's more than one way to do it. You know, my laptop came with a fingerprint reader for Pete's sake, right? So um, we 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 do need to keep in mind that, you know, there are going to be chinks in the armor all along. I, uh, I keep reminding myself the, the story um, just about Christmas time of uh, January, sorry, of uh, breaking the PlayStation 3. Of course, I don't want to go into the details because I'll get in terrible trouble uh, with Sony, but um, <clears throat> you know, it had all these levels of security, and when somebody went after it methodically, they took it apart level by level by level. And amazingly enough, it was a failure of crypto in the end, or implementation of crypto, of course, not the failure of cryptography, uh, that was its undoing. And, and what that teaches us, the, the real implication to the global community, is that defense in depth, 10 years ago, we were trying to think of it as a way to keep the attacker from succeeding. And that's good. Um, <laughs> That's even wonderful. Today, I think more and more we have to come to a place mentally that the purpose of defense in depth is to slow the attackers down. Uh, the idea that hopefully, if it takes a long time, and we should never forget the P and the advanced persistent threats, um, maybe they'll find somebody else and go extract information from them um, because there are only so many human operators and analysts to, to sift through the information, um, so that we still want to believe in defense and map. I'm still going to use my RSA dongle. There's nothing that's been announced that says I shouldn't use it for online banking, but you know, I want to keep thinking about what other compensating mechanisms I can use, and you know, it'll probably take attackers six months or a year before they're able to really come up with a methodical attack, you know, spy-eye sort of an attack against E-Trade or Charles Schwab or, or whatever the target's going to be. Um, and, you know, one thing that I'm going to be looking for is a different two-factor authentication methodology. Um, I know there's a number of startup companies that for two-factor, you type in your password and they send a um, the rest of it, the two-factor code, uh, as a text message to your cell phone. And you know, I'm sure that can be defeated, but pretty much as long as I'm the guy who still has the SIM <laughs> to my cell phone under my physical control, uh, 
that's going to be a tough one for them to beat. And so uh, uh, I, I'm going to kind of look at uh, that as as a solution. I've been working, too, on just trying to do online transactions more safely. Would you like to hear about that? Sure. Well, it occurred to me a long time ago that no bank account is really my friend. You know, you don't get loyalty points or anything, so might as well have a couple of them. And so I have my paycheck come into one account, and the only thing I do with that account is send it to my bill pay accounts, and I always transfer money at the same amount of money all the time. The idea is to work with a big enough bank that they can not only afford to buy fraud detection software, but they actually run it. Um, I know several smaller banks that have bought it but haven't got it installed and running. And so unless the attacker knows the amount, and since I'm always sending it to the same two accounts, um, it's, it's not that it can't be defeated, but it gives me a huge amount of security because, you know, that only one thing happens from the place that my money goes into. Um, so if RSA or something was defeated, this fraud detection software ought to alert. And even if it didn't, I would have a very good case with my bank. I've been banking with you for three years. This is the only thing I've ever done. I've only transferred money to these two accounts, and I've always transferred the same amount of money. And all of a sudden, you let 15 wire transfers go for 10000 bucks a piece to third world countries. Um, I think you need to reimburse me. Stephen, as a side note, does this situation add any extra urgency to the FFIEC to issue its new guidance on authentication? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure that under this, uh, since this has happened, if they delay, people are going to um, uh, put some pressure on them. So, yeah, I'd have to answer uh, yes. Um, but on the other hand, you know, they deserve and need the time to work closely with RSA and get the information that's only going to be provided, you know, to a few people about the details of what's going on so that they can they can give good advice. They can give advice that will stand up against attack. Stephen, a final question for you. What advice would you offer to RSA's Secure ID customers now in terms of countermeasures they can take to ensure their own security? No, don't panic. The advice that RSA has given is all good advice. And like I say look for one more thing to add some security if you can't count on the absolute integrity of your dongles and what can you do um, for instance um, one of the things we've always done at SANS is use the free software tool PuTTY to generate soft tokens and so yes I have my physical dongle my two-factor authentication but I also have a certificate that's present in a particular location on my laptop so as the tunnel is being belted, that's essentially it's three-factor authentication. And, you know, I know a lot of companies are going to be concerned about using free software and so forth, but um, it, it just makes sense to add another layer of defense if you can. Very good, Stephen. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. We've been talking with Stephen Northcutt, CEO of SANS Institute. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field.